follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Thank you for joining us. We are happy to hear, uh, happy that you're hearing from us, I should say. Gentlemen, how are we holding up today? I'm excited because it is almost Christmas, Shad. It's almost we're, Christmas? We're counting down the days. Yes, sir. I'm Brad, sitting have... here wondering if Kane is going to don his... Christmas creature regalia for his mayoring duties. It's a Christmas creature. It's a creature. I mean, you know, he did. Uh, he did. Whenever he announced his win, he did play his theme music as well. So we can't rule anything like that out. Can I? Can I give a quick plug for um, a pod? Well, two podcasts that I've been listening to and really enjoying lately. Yeah, because they have. They talk about wrestling from time to time. So I don't know the guy's name, but they're two stand-up comics. They do two shows. They do crime and sports and small town murder. Okay. Uh, both are interesting. I listened to them do a two-hour podcast on the life of Carrie Von Eric uh, oh, earlier wow. today. Um, they do a lot of like – so they pretty much do like true crime. One's more sport-focused and one's about like murders in these small little towns you never heard of. Yeah. And they kind of they kind of are jokey about it because they are stand up comedians, so they tell you about it. They don't like make fun of the victims or anything, but they kind of just they do like a humorous take on it, and I find both shows to be enjoyable. And they do they do mix a lot of uh, wrestling references in. Cool. <laughs> what were the names again? Uh, Small town murder and crime and sport. Okay, I have heard of small town murders. I've not listened to it. Um, it, was, it was actually funny. They gave the lapsed fan a shout out on the Kevin oh yeah Black episode. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Because um, he was doing a Vince McMahon. I'm like, I'm like he, like does he listen to the lapsed fan because he's doing McMahon like um, JD does it. <laughs> and then and then he gave him a shout out, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, I what's the. My favorite murder, I've led. That's like a true crime one. I actually just started listening to, because um, I think like Patton Oswald, <coughs> his wife, I think was uh, he had some connection to the show, and I think his wife actually even was like a fan of the show before she passed away. Um, his late wife, but I I started listening to it. They've they've done like dozens of episodes now. I've listened to like the first ten of them, maybe. And it's actually a really good show. Um, it's two women who I think they actually are comedians. It's not a particularly funny show because they do detail like horrible like murders or serial killers, but it's actually kind of fascinating. It's kind of um, hard to make horrible crimes wacky and fun. That's true. Yeah. The uh, be surprised. best the best <laughs> example I have found for doing that 
um, has been last podcast on the left, but yes, I don't that, listen to everything they do. That That is, they just, I was so pissed they just had a show here and I didn't know they were having one and I was so upset. I love, uh, I absolutely love that show. I have been listening recently to them, um, I listened to their uh, Om Shimrikyo series and I'm going through their Oklahoma City series right now. Have you listened to the Leonard Lake Charles Ng one? Uh-uh. Oh, you have to do that for um, his Charles Ng impression, and you'll okay. just you'll. Oh, that that popped up in the um, Um Shinrikyo one at some point, but um, Honored Sapien did bring it up. But uh, the it's just one of those things. It's I, I took uh, when I was in college. I ended up taking classes that discussed a lot of you know um, terrorism and, and group movements and stuff like that so it's it's fascinating to hear that brought back up and and discussed so that's been a uh that's been a recent thing for me um it's their um their jonestown series is really good and okay. the donner party one's really good uh, i listened to the dollop do one about the donner party but i haven't listened to the last podcast but- to it I um like I said they they inject a lot of humor into it but sometimes it helps to break up the the horribleness of the crimes but <laughs> yeah I, but I also what I also like about that show though especially last podcast on the left I like what that they they really do like their poking fun really does destroy some of the mystique like the media's built up around oh, yeah. serial killers and stuff because you come out and saying like oh they're just a fucking dumbass that were good at murdering people yeah, well, I mean, everybody's got to be good at something, I guess. Um, so we have uh, – <laughs> there's our shout-outs. We could, we could ping them when we post our stuff, but I don't think it'd even be a blip on their radar. And, Matt, if you <laughs> haven't listened – you should try Last Podcast on the Left because their sense of humor scratches that O&A itch sometimes. Mm. I've actually um, – I've heard a couple of their, their shows – uh, I haven't listened. I haven't really done a deep dive on their stuff, but I have. Um, I have heard like a couple of their earlier episodes, and I did enjoy it. So I definitely have to like give it a, a, a deeper listen to. All right, so um, there's there's some plugs for other things to listen to when you're not listening to Four Corners. Um. <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, can I give a shout out? Yeah. Uh, I I will <laughs> I'll throw out this shout out even though I have not listened to a single <laughs> episode of their podcast yet. Um, Fight Game <laughs> Podcast, that's a podcast that is done by, I forget his partner because I haven't listened to the, an episode yet, but uh, Garrett Gonzalez, who does shows with uh, uh, Big Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Uh, he he does a podcast called Fight Game Podcast. Um, and he has actually... Uh, well, I don't know if he subscribed to our show, but he's um he's he has like a Facebook group that I was added to. Uh, I have posted a couple of uh or actually probably like a handful of our shows. I've posted the link in yeah. the group, and he's been very very complimentary about um just you know he's very like uh, supportive of me doing that and just kind of awesome. getting our our content out. He uh, I think we have like two or three new subscribers based upon that. Which well, it's like welcome. that's not a lot, but I mean, any any additional like years listening to us is really cool because we love we actually just love doing this podcast. Like it's just yeah. for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's just fun for me. So. 
Oh yeah, is, that's the big thing. Is this, this is just fun. I I've I I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but going back to the '90s, like I've had I've I've always had a real love for just like talking on the radio. Like obviously, like Howard Stern and like Opie and Anthony <laughs> were big like influences on me, mm-hmm. and I would say going back even like to 2005 i wanted to do a podcast yeah and here I mean, we are yeah that's kind of like the way things are now because radio is kind of dead in a sense oh, yeah even like satellite radio yeah so it's kind of all podcasts <laughs> and know, there, we are I millennials could... killing radio guys <laughs> no a... radio radio killed radio i could i could go on forever about how radio <laughs> put a shotgun to its head Mm-hmm. But I, you, how am I going to feed the meme unless I say things like that? Well, it's just to go into that before, just for a second. Like, if you if you go down your radio dial, count how many stations are doing the same mix of '80s and '90s music. Oh yeah, yeah. and they're all part of the iHeartRadio network. <laughs> yeah, because, yes, because they because because iHeartRadio has homogenized all of it, so radio's lost all of its personality. Um. Oh, Brad. And iHeartRadio keeps going broke. They do. Yeah. I, they've gone bankrupt a couple of times, I think. Brad. Well, they just restructure and they throw a different name on. Yeah. There's a local um, radio show here in D.C. And uh, their, their morning guy during the weekdays, I, I shit you not, he does, I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's every day, but it's definitely like certain days of the week. He absolutely does War of the Roses. That old gag. Oh God! You remember that? Like Opie and Anthony would goof on that. Like he, that guy totally does it. Well, if you don't, if you, for people out there who are uninformed, <laughs> it's, it's a fucking fake bit. It's a bit that you literally like. I think it's a subscription service. It doesn't a matter. A lot of those are. Yeah, the bit is that uh, some you're 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 supposed to be like winning. Uh, like roses, delivery of roses, a bouquet of roses. To and the idea is like you're going to be giving it. Uh, the person who wins it is supposed to be giving it to their significant other, and the DJ has like the significant other, like their wife, their girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. On the line, and it's like, yeah. hey, we're calling up so and so. We've told him he's won a bouquet of roses. Let's see who he gives it to. And idea is supposed to be like, he's supposed to be giving it to his wife or spouse. Right, and then inevitably it's like, yeah, I'm giving it to uh to this person, and it's not the wife and spouse, and yeah. of course the wife has to be like breaking <laughs> in all of a sudden onto the phone call, like who the fuck is this person? Yeah. What are you doing? Like who's that? And it's oh, oh, and the guy's stammering like he's cheating or something. It's it's yeah. totally fake. It's totally a bit. It's like the R.D. Mercer stuff. It's hack. It's like so hack, but they like this guy actually does it. So like just, that's and that's what you get with radio now. It's just like yeah, all this because, manufactured garbage. Well, be, well, there's a couple reasons because they've commercialized it too much. So it's like, oh, we're wacky and unpredictable. In between, like the 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, we have to do traffic and weather. And, <laughs> yes. You know, and um, that that stupid hold your wee for a wee thing totally just destroyed. Ooh. Oh like, yeah any ability to do anything and like i understand why but like i miss like i miss like ron and fez where they just call in a couple of interns and like make (coughs) them like eat something gross or like drink until like they until one of them just like passed out on the air Mm -hmm. like i just miss like the i just miss the weird stuff like that well or 
or Opie and Anthony getting mad at their manager and literally staple gunning their legs to prove they could do it as a contest. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Okay. Anyway, to go back to my shout out, um, Garrett Gonzalez. He's a he's a nice guy. Uh, uh, fight game podcast, and he's gonna try to have uh, he uh, he's trying he's gonna try to have me on with some other people. It's not just me. Cool. That'd be really cool uh, on his podcast to kind of. I guess just promote other podcasts. So we'll see. Uh, let me, that uh, hasn't been scheduled, but I will try to, to do as ju- justice and be <laughs> a good ambassador of our program. It's really cool that he's doing that. Yeah. He's a good person. I've met him actually <laughs> several times at like WrestleManias and some of these observer events. Yeah. And he's a super nice guy for those who have listened to the observer and heard him um, in real, in real life. He's a, just a great solid dude. So it's well, actually funny. A lot of those guys are actually like, I, I don't think I've met a bad one. Like Dave, Brian, Garrett, and even the people who were just fans. Like they're all like good people. Well, it's good to hear. I'm always they, glad to hear that there's it's they're good folks doing stuff because you just hear so many scumbag things. I feel like Dave would uh, give you a deer in the headlights look if you recognized him in public. He is a super shy, quiet guy, but he's very, very nice and polite. All right. Well, <clears throat> since this is supposed to be a wrestling podcast, we're going to get back to some of our stuff. Yes. It's it's fun tangent every now and then. We got to do um, <coughs> a couple of shout outs and then I'm going to give you guys the giveaway rules. So um, <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. First of all, shout out goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. If you are out there, if you're looking for a Christmas gift, if you just want a nice shirt to wear, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Um, use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and corner, capital P and podcast. No spaces to get 10% off of your order. I know that I made a uh, Black Friday purchase. I think you guys might have as well. I 100% did, Chad. <laughs> Yeah, I got uh, I got some shirts. I got a hat. I got uh, some really cool camo shorts. I got the Ichiban shirt. You got the I Ichiban. Got, yeah, I got the Bad Street <laughs> USA <laughs> shirt, which I have been eyeing for a while now. So I yeah. definitely got that one. I still want the Waffle House one, but that's forever out of my size. So I know I I went and looked. It's actually out of mine too. Mm-hmm. So the um, I'll go ahead and tell you guys the tradition. I guess is going to end up being that uh, that I end up getting shirts for the other guys whenever uh, Black Friday rolls around. So look for those in the mail. But uh, if you're looking for some stuff and you don't know what to do, uh, collar and elbows are great, great uh, option to look up. And um, we like them. They're good folks. They have good material. Uh, we also have another shout out to do on top of all the shout outs we've been doing. Right, Matt? Yeah, that would be to the man, Epico Cologne. Man. Uh, yeah, Epico um, hasn't been hit with a wellness violation. That's or, true. <laughs> uh, or, uh, yeah, so that that that's not something that he's done. Right. <laughs> not something he has to worry about. Yes. <clears throat> In case you weren't aware, Primo was, but Epico wasn't. Um, yeah, and as someone has pointed out on social media, it's like, so I guess Primo's going to continue doing what he's been doing, which is not appear on WWE programming for 30 days? Or 
my my favorite Reddit comment on it was, I need someone to help me deal with the fact that Primo won't be on my TV for <laughs> the next 30 days. Yeah. Um, but here's the, uh, the last, the other thing. <clears throat> uh, I told you guys about the giveaway that we'll be doing. I have an assortment of wrestling stuff I'll be giving away. Uh, I did the rundown of what all was in it in previous episodes. And I'm going to say listen to those previous episodes because if I try to run it down right now, I'm just going to forget something and screw it up. So, <clears throat> if you would like to be part of the giveaway, here is here are the rules. We would like for you to please go and please whichever social media platform you like. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Log on there and tell us of the past year which episode that we've done has been your favorite and maybe just a little bit of why. <coughs> and then what what will happen is um, in the next uh, my goal is to have this sent out around New Year's. So it'd be a, it would be a late Christmas present from Four Corners, but um, I will take all of the responses. I will assign numbers to them. I'll throw them in a random number generator and pick out whichever number comes up. So that means that if you respond on all three platforms, you will have three chances to win. So uh, we'll put that out there. And, and um, I'm gonna. I might add some after mags into the mix. So. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Matt, are you wanting to win our own contest? I might. <laughs> They're mostly 80s and early 90s uh, after mags. <coughs> Not many PWIs. I think there are a lot of the wrestlers. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, we'll be looking for it. Um, there will be some autographs. There will be some DVDs. There will be some shirts. I'm going to apologize if the shirts are too big because uh, originally... They were for me, so um, I am not a small human. Uh, I'm working on becoming a smaller human, but I'm the, you don't you don't lose height as you go. So I don't know, Shad. I've been to wrestling shows. You might have to apologize for it being too small. <laughs> True. Well, okay. We'll 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 roll with it. I once, <coughs> I once um, to go off on a slight tangent. I once went to a Ring of Honor show. I was still fat at the same time, so I'm not, like, casting stones, but I sat next to some dude that must have been 500 pounds, and he was so big, like, in the way the chairs were, like, um, the way the chairs were set up, like, I kind of half had, like, his fat, like, hanging on me the whole show. Yeah. And it was not a pleasant experience, and he did not smell very good. Actually, I did two wrestling shows that weekend, and the cling of B.O. did not leave me for days. Mm. There's just something... <coughs> I don't know what it is about wrestling crowds and not every wrestling crowd, but there is just, like, a level of B.O. to a wrestling crowd that sometimes cannot be matched. There is um, a certain... Well, anything that has an obsessive fan base, you're going to get that. You get it at wrestling shows. You get it at conventions. You get it at football games. It's 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 going to be there one way or another. Yeah. Now, I will forgive the one show I went to because that was at the fairgrounds in Columbus on like a 96 degree day in a building with no air conditioning. And oh, yeah. I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> Heck, when I was wrestling, because um, for Halloween, my 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 oldest wanted me to dress up with it. I'm like, OK, sure. 
So I just busted out my old wrestling gear. I'm like, yeah, this will be great. Um, that gear, I don't know if I never noticed or if I'm in like that much worse shape, but that gear is hot as balls. So, um, it was a singlet with long pants and then my pads and stuff. And it's just God blazing hot. So, so what did you guys, what did you do? Like if you were in some building that wasn't air conditioned and it was hot, hot out and like you had to like suffer in the back, would you guys just, just chill outside or whatever? I actually, uh, I had this experience recently. You just, you just kind of pick wherever happens to be the coolest place to sit and try and drink water and and brew ball soup with everybody else. I had this experience. Um, Primetime Wrestling, which is the wrestling promotion that is now running outside of uh, inside DC proper, uh-huh. and they've actually been successful. They've done like three shows. I went to the first show. Yeah. I wanted to go to the last two, but there was like life events that prevented it. Uh huh. They they run out of the DC Brow Brewing Company, which is a it's a small space, and it's a it actually is very conducive to the, having the shows there because it's not it's just enough that you can have a, a good crowd and it'll sell the place out. Yeah, and it's it's a brewery, so they have beer like right there on tap. Uh, I think it's a, actually a great setup because the company probably runs like for nothing, and mm-hmm. it's a plus for the brewery because they you have thirsty wrestling fans wanting to just drink beer and watch wrestling. Yeah, but they ran it. The first show was in July. And it was <laughs> oh, hot as balls. It was hot as balls, and they did not have like good air conditioning. They had they had like four air conditioning units, and there were like at every air conditioning unit, which they didn't circulate the air well, there was like yeah. fat people like sitting right in front of it. Ugh. I'm not trying to disparage against people who are larger because I was at one point in my life I was very like heavy set. Yeah, but we were. It's like, I mean, you gotta be considerate if there it's a room full of people. Like, don't just like literally sit in front of the air conditioning unit, which is what happened. And my wife, there's some goddamn deodorant on. Yeah, the problem is that it, it was very hot in there, and my wife, who at that do- at that time was like. I want to say like five months pregnant. Oh, like God. Not, oh she was bad. like not feeling well because no, so I'm, hot in there. I'm so going to be honest like, with you. I'm surprised she didn't just kill somebody. She had to get up. We had to get up and like walk around a bit because it was cooler air. Yeah. Well, the problem too. I don't know what kind of building it is, but <coughs> some of the, like the buildings in Columbus, like the older ones that are still kind of hanging on from like the earlier part of like last century. Mm hmm. You can slap a couple AC units on there, but it doesn't do anything because, like, the ventilation's not yeah. made for, like, centralized and there's, there's not enough circulation going around to move it either. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's this place. I mean, it's a great, it actually is, I, th- I do think, again, it's a good venue for it, but in the heat of summer, it's not really conducive. It's a brewery. It's not really conducive to, like, 500 people crammed into for a wrestling show. Right, right. Yeah. And into otherwise like a cement building. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it sounds like a really cool place to to run a show. Like, it is. I'm I'm a fan of that idea. The but. company they've done the three shows, and I think every show has sold out thus far. They're running another one in January. <laughs> they try to go to that one. Okay. Yeah. So, um, can now, we? Can we? I also wanted to give a quick shout out. Like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he probably won't listen to this, but. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to Myron Reed for giving us a shout out for last week's show. Oh yeah, My- yeah. wasn't that crazy? Myron Reed gave us a, a like and a retweet uh, 
when we posted the episode discussing the MLW show that he did, the match he had mm-hmm. with Teddy Hart. Yeah, yeah, that was super awesome. And Chad, I looked him up. I didn't realize what his hometown was, but he bills himself from Louisville. Does he? Yeah, he's a Midwest, he's a Midwest guy mostly. Like I know he works well, in Columbus. From time well, I to mean, time. with with Ohio Valley still there, um, I actually Ohio Valley got itself set up in the state of Kentucky as a vocational school. Yeah, I saw that. So I sent them a message that said, you know, I'd be interested in working for you if uh, you ever need somebody that has the following skills and talents. Um, I hadn't heard anything back from them, but, you know, that's okay. And I I just want to say, I know Matt's (laughs) probably seen it, and I sent you guys a picture, but every time I'm on the Fight app, I laugh when I see the A... IW, uh, baby, it's too cold outside. <laughs> With too cold Scorpio. Yes, I, I've yes. thought about buying it, but I, I have to admit that's that's a pretty good gag. And I have to I have to ask because you were you're getting a little stir crazy, so you bought yourself some uh, GCW this weekend, Matt. Did you get a chance to like watch it? Uh, so again, I'm on I'm on basically a newborn schedule, so. I'm watching like match by match. Uh, so I ha- I did buy uh, this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. GCW did two shows. Uh, so I'm watching. I bought both of them. It was like a good deal. It was like 20 bucks for both shows. So it's like $10 yeah, it's, a show. They, they get me on that a lot because they're <laughs> like, hey, you know, you can uh, you can buy this package. Like, I think I got like a three show like set once for like 30 bucks. And I'm just like, OK. Yeah. I mean, I had like an extra 20 bucks I could. I could spend on it. I bought it. Um, so I'm, I'm slowly working my way through and I bought it just like, this is like, it's like an easy 20 bucks. I'll have two shows. I can watch it at my leisure. And I guess the second show, uh, Nick Gage lost the championship he had had for like 600 plus days. So I'm super curious oh, to watch it for like two years. He had it yeah. for like 720 days or something. Wow. Yeah. I'm super curious to watch that match now since it's actually kind of like historic and, in indie like at least in the indie scene sure i kind of want to watch it for the tommy rich match yeah i haven't gotten to that <laughs> that's on the saturday show i haven't got to that match yet but i'm curious about it like death match isn't my thing but gcw really does interesting stuff with themselves well not every match is a death match which no, they, they, is, they, i like they, they're trying to do like the i think the czw type of thing they're kind of like a mad like they're kind of like if a mad scientist booked a wrestling promotion sometimes. Yeah. Is Janella just... still running th- that or? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it'll be like, it'll be like, hey, here's these guys we usually have. But hey, we just decided to bring crime time in for a, for a <laughs> match. You're like, okay. I will say on the Saturday show, I'm literally like, it, it's a two and a half hour show. I'm literally only like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes in. And Janella, he's, he's supposed to be wrestling a match on that show. He's doing some of the commentary. It's 20, 30 minutes in, and I feel he's already getting drunk on White Claws. Oh, they, um, <laughs> they, that's, that was the, the spring break from two years ago that my wife watched with me. Yeah. Uh, New York lost some of that char- charm, but she, her favorite part was just listening to the announcers just getting drunk as fuck the whole time. Yeah. I have to admit something to you guys. I cannot tell you how hard it has been. You guys... Every time you break, guys bring up a mad scientist, I, I fight really hard not to do my overly shrill mad science voice just right in the middle of it. So I'm thinking of you guys, okay? This is 
this is I'm fighting against a really strong reflex here. <laughs> oh, man. At some point, I'll lose control and do it, and you're going to be like, don't ever, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> but, all right. So, um, it took us kind of a meandering path to get here. I want to hear you topic. scream. I want to hear you scream science when we send you some uh, Camilla Instagram pictures. <laughs> Sorry, that was inappropriate. <laughs> anyway, the uh, we did have a topic for tonight. Um, in the past, we've had a discussion about gimmicks. We've had a discussion about, you know, uh, favorite characters. This time, we're going to break down the foreign object. Or as, or as it was better known in WCW for a time, the international object. The international object, object Which yeah. sounded like that should have been the name of somebody on the roster, right? Here comes Juventud Guerrero, the international object. But that's not how it worked. Um, he had an international object up his ass, and it was <laughs> smuggled cocaine. <laughs> it was the ex or the uh, was it ecstasy that he was on? When they caught him like naked running around in Australia and got him yeah. fired. Yeah, I think it was X. Took like four people to hold little Hoovy down. Uh, phrasing, God, oh, are we still? Could you imagine? Phrasing? You're just. You're just probably some poor asshole working at a motel, and you have to wrestle a fucking drugged-out, <laughs> naked, hooventude Guerrera to the ground, probably screaming about juice the whole time, and you're like, what the I, fuck is going I on? I think it was actually the boys that wrestled him down. I like yeah, to think of it as some story. The poor, poor janitor. Oh, man, that poor guy. Uh, some I was, poor janitor, like driving up for his like eight hour shift and just sees this little like naked guy running around and is just like, Oh God, what am I, what have I done with my life? I'm going to college. And he's like, I, uh, he just pulls up, sees that in the lobby and goes, I'm taking a sick day. Yeah. It just turns just, right around. and walks yeah, just, Like that. Doesn't that even Simpsons, the car. That Simpsons episode where, <laughs> where grandpa like comes walking in the brothel, sees Bart and just turns right around and walks out. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awkward. So, um anyway, <clears throat> foreign objects. There's god, there's been so many of them. We're going to hit some of the classics and uh kind of work our way through. I think it's fair to say that the most common foreign object, the one everyone will think of, straight out of the gate, everybody say it with me, the folding chair, right? Mm -hmm. Um I you know, I have this idea, and I can't really base it on anything other than conjecture, but the, the folding chair has persisted not just because of its availability, right? Like, you're, you're doing a show, people got to sit on something, you're gonna, there's chairs everywhere, but I think it's just the sheer versatility of what you can do with one has, is what's led to its, um, I guess, iconic status at this point. Well, you could, I mean, I'm sure you've been hit with more than one chair, but I'm sure they're pretty low damage on a person, too, if you do it right. <clears throat> that last bit that you said there is the real crux of it. Because if the swing comes too high, oh, God. Um, that isn't, can I, can, I, can I throw out how I think the best way to do it is, and you can tell me how awfully wrong I am? I'm listening. Okay. So I'm taking it across your back, coming side, like coming like t 
taking a swing with it, not necessarily over your head, but to the side, like across your back, with like let, the, let the, me ask. Let me ask a clarifying question. What portion of it are you making contact with? I'm hitting you with the cushion side, trying to hit you with as much surface area of the middle of the chair as possible. So with the seat across the yeah. back, yeah, that's pretty well the best way to do it. Under the shoulders, like more in like the under the shoulders, like around the small of the back looks good. Generally a like... little higher than that. Okay. Um, you know, up around the shoulder blades is okay. Okay. Basically for what you said, it spreads out the impact. Um, and it makes hitting... a great noise. It, good, good. And I'm thinking good noise. You're not hitting anything vital. You're not hitting the head. There's no real danger of like, the Cody thing <coughs> happening, like, and if you're a little off, you probably just hurt them a little more than you meant to, but you're not going to Yeah, it's not, um, that's, if you're going to be doing chair shots, that's really the best way to do it, uh, because, like you said, it disperses the force, it, um, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the best way to do it. Now, here's the thing. For so many years, there was this idea that taking a chair shot to the head, if you put your hand up, you were some kind of, there, there, you had a deficiency as a wrestler. It is to the point now where Mick Foley himself says, I wish I would have done that so much. I think his actual word was, the way he put it was, there was a move I'd wish I'd added to my arsenal the last time I saw him speak. There was one move I'd wish I'd added to my arsenal. And he, he takes his hand from his side and flips it up in front of his face. He goes, if I could have done this, if I would have done this more, I have a feeling that my life would be a lot easier right now. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Because the uh, there was, at least in my past, <coughs> and I used to have video of it somewhere, but there was a chair shot that I took where the guy came in with it high like i'm not saying he was high but his his um his swing instead of it coming at my forehead like his rotation was high and i'd put my hands up because like he ran at me across the floor there is no good reason why i would not have seen that coming and not done something right but when i put my fists up in front of my forehead it didn't impact those instead it rotated over and hit me on top of the head which made my neck and back hurt the whole three hour drive home so yeah that's that's um it's the phrase i'm looking for here that's the shitty way to do it you know which way i like that always seemed kind of safe was the rob van the Rob Van Dam <laughs> way of he'd throw the chair at a guy and he'd catch it and then he would like kick it. The Van the Van Daminator. Yeah, I always thought yeah. that was a good way because it's not really hitting the guy because the sound's coming from Van Dam. Well, it. um, that depends because it might come from the kick is pretty stiff and smacks you in the face with it. So that would be. Not ideal, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. It's one of those things that can be a little bit of a dodgy proposition, though. 
At least you have some control over how you're hitting yourself in the face with it if it is that's, like... That's very true. That is a very good point. There's a little control there. You can turn whichever part of your head to it that you're willing to sacrifice that night. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 fair. I think the crappy way to do it is the Cebu way of just, just flinging it right in your face. <laughs> yeah. It looks good on camera, but, uh, yeah, not a big fan of that one myself. Not really. Matt, you got intensely quiet. Are you okay? All right, that answers that. Um, <laughs> I also like the variation of the wood chair because you can break that over someone's head and that looks cool. Okay, that remind my, the wood chair story I always go to. And you know which one it's going to be, but I'm going to say it anyway. Was the um, the Big Bubba Rogers debut angle? Where, oh yeah, where they just yeah, where Dusty horse collared him with it. But they, whenever because Klondike Bill was supposed to gimmick it, and someone said Klondike, you did a great <laughs> job gimmicking it, and he goes, "Oh shit, I forgot." Oh, uh, okay. But in uh, to hear Cornette tells the story, he says he if he had gimmicked it, it would have at least knocked his hat off. But instead, it's just there. It didn't even knock his hat or his glasses off. And he just takes off his tie and proceeds to try and kill Dusty. So, you know, that's fun. Can I ask you a question? So when you do like the wrestling school thing, do they do? Do they like go over this with you, like how to do it and like? <laughs> Or is this kind of like a learn on the job? It depends thing. on who trains you. Because some people are going to be like, hey, so little little chair shot symposium real quick. And then some people are going to, some of them are going to take the old school method of, if you're going to go out there and do it, you better make sure you figured out how to do it right before you do it. Because otherwise, some grizzled old dude's going to take a bite out of you. Um, I didn't I hardly ever used a chair like they were around but I didn't I didn't do a lot of chair shots or I did them to the back so I kind of avoided that in in order to you know not just waffle people with it um, but I've seen someone be on the bad end of that exchange uh, you know catching not only catching hell for what are you doing swinging a chair like that? But, you know, the receipt that comes with it. Mm. And on one hand, it's like, well, that's not, um, that's not fun to see. But on the other hand, hey, dumbass, what were you doing? Um, so. Can I ask you a question, like, in regards to this? Yeah. Have you ever, like, just nailed someone with a chair before and they're like, fucking do it again and do it harder. <clears throat> um, not with a chair. Okay. I've had them say that about other things, but not with a chair. Um, cause I know I, I was just, cause you're talking about that. And I was thinking about, you remember when Nash lawn darted Mysterio? Yeah. And Nash was, Nash tells the story and he's just like, He's like, you sure you're going to be okay with this? And Mysterio's like, yeah, like, do it. Like, this is going to be great. Yeah. 
Um, there are some people who are just like, yeah, man, let's go for it. And are you sure you want me to do this? Uh, I, t- I take it Alex uh, Angel's kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> if if you warm Alex up, you can get him to do a lot of stuff. But you got to warm him up properly, uh, which he he even said himself when we had him on. So, <clears throat> um, I, I you, you you yeah, I wasn't the same way. Um, you weren't going to warm me up into something. There were some things I wasn't going to do. I don't care what she said. It wasn't going to happen. So, <clears throat> uh, the other nice thing I like about chair is just the, the different stuff you can do with it. You can hit people with it. You can, I guess, throw it at people. You can set it up and propel people to it in a million different ways. The coolest one I saw was a match in Chikara, and I think it was Hallow Wicked, like, tossed Tim Dunst off the top rope. Like, Dunst was going for, like, a sort of, like, blockbuster on him. Yeah. And the chair was set up like a chair, you know, like, <laughs> to sit in. Yeah. And he oh, took him God. by the head and, like, threw him, and then he, like, back bumped onto it and bent the chair, like, a way a chair is not supposed to be bent. Yeah, I bet he bent in a way he wasn't supposed to bend yeah, either. and it looked, it looked... I'm sure it hurt like a motherfucker, but it looked amazing. Like you were just like, oh, like, cause, and I've seen other people do it and there's just something about guys willing to do that. And they bend the chair the wrong way. That just looks amazing. It hurts like a bitch. too. Well, yeah, Matt, uh, you'd gotten quiet for a second. Was there chair stuff you wanted to throw in for a moment? Uh, there's one going back to the wooden chair one. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about the Big Bubba Rogers debut one, um, but I just recall this is really random. It wasn't one of the best fall brawls, but I remember the build up to Fall Brawl 1994, mm-hmm. which was Dusty and Dustin Rhodes and the Nasty Boys of all people who had like a face turn against uh, wait, wait, the hell. Yeah, they did yeah. against uh, against the Stud Stable, which was uh, Colonel Robert Parker. Uh, Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, and <laughs> and uh, Colonel Robert Parker's uh, bodyguard, who was Ming. Oh god! And I remember uh, that in the build-up right before that, it, Dusty took a wooden chair and like broke it over Ming's head, and it was just hanging off Ming's like neck. Yeah. And then Ming like gave like the 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 uh, tongue and death grip. The tongue and death grip. And it was, in retrospect, it's cheesy, but it yeah. made Ming look like a monster. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, was, really cool. I think they did something similar. I, I think except there was a match towards, like, the late 90s where they had a wood chair and he, like, punched through the chair and tongue and death gripped someone. He, he absolutely did. did. That was in, that was during the Nitro days. I forget who he did it to. But it might have even been, like, against an NWO guy. I don't know. Yeah. You know, the thing that gets me about that is you're even working with Ming. Like, you're on good terms. You're like, hey, we're going to have a good match. And Ming's like, yeah, man, it's going to be good. And they're like, here's the spot they want us to do. And Ming's like, yeah, I can do that. And you're out there with this chair, and it's blocking your view of Ming. All of a sudden, his hand comes through it and grabs you. That's got to be a, like, fill your britches kind of moment. Like, even though you know it's coming, the sheer terror... Of that occurrence, just that's that's the kind of thing that 
would probably haunt your nightmares. It's like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> I think we're also, we also <coughs> need to talk about another great use of the folding chair, and that is pilmanizing someone. Oh, oh wow. wow, yeah. That's true. That's true. Wrapping it around a body part and then just stomping the piss out of it. Or the or the double concerto. I don't know how safe that is, but that one always looked like absolutely. Brutal. I know how it works, but there's they just not hit much... the ground. Don't well, they? yeah, they either they. You look at the angle that they're swinging. So whenever they swing, it either like they rotate it so that the the top of the chair they're swinging hits the ground, or the two chairs come together. But man, there's not much margin of error there. That's that that would be a concerning place to be for a spot like that. You'd be like, ah, God. OK, oddly, you've got way more. Con- I, f- I would feel more comfortable just taking one laying on the mat than I would with two guys involved. It's like, oh, oh, um, OK, if you guys are sure. Uh, another uh, chair example. <laughs> I think this was a Raven special, but the the chair drop toe hold. Yeah, that was a good one. You remember him doing that to Scotty Riggs? And yeah, that, that led to Scotty Riggs' eye patch gimmick. I just love I love the 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 drop toe hold into the the chair. And not only that, but you don't have to do it with the chair on the mat. Anywhere you can set a chair up, you can drop toe hold somebody into it. All things considered, it was actually probably a really, like a very safe bump. Because mm-hmm. the guy could control like how he's going into that chair and, and throw his hands up. And yeah. obviously protect himself, but still make it look like he just was wiped out and was just devastated by the move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I remember about the Riggs one is he hit and then this thing he hit it was in the middle of the ring but when he hit that sucker just went flying because it, he went down with his hands down and then shoved it so it just it just flew out of the ring it was like okay uh, all right all right that's 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 good stuff Scotty there you go <clears throat> so Sh- um, Shad as a as a professional wrestler so we we've, we've talked about the versatility of the folding chair. Yeah. Are there any other foreign objects that you would find to be overly versatile as um as someone that has to find new and creative ways to beat um, someone up? Let me see. Let me go <clears throat> when we were preparing <laughs> for this Brad said to me I want for you to make a list of stuff you used. The other highly versatile uh, weapon in my arsenal, because my original gimmick was the Weapon Master guy. You don't screw with him because you never know what he's going to show up with to hit you with. And I had to I had to be real creative with it, right? Because it couldn't just be like, oh, he's got that again. Because if I reused something, the, the crowd was not happy about it. Even though I was a heel. Go figure. <laughs> but um, the for me... The other highly versatile weapon was the chain. Whether, you know, Brody had it or Jerry Lawler or whatever, it always had a use. There was always something you could do with a chain. 
I'm giving you guys. I'm giving. I'm pausing for a second, so I'm not just rambling on about. I agree, uh, but if I feel if it's a chain, it's got to be like a thick chain. Because mm-hmm. I totally saw a match with Lawler. I don't. I don't actually want to say it was USWA. I think it might have even been like. Then he had like a brief stint in the AWA. Yeah, he was he was the AWA champion um, when they were doing all that stuff with like world class in Memphis and <coughs> yeah, the AWA kind of like joining up. Yeah, I I remember like a match. I I want to say this was in the AWA. And I think he won the match doing this. Like he pulled a chain out from like his tights and yeah. he wrapped it around his fist and punched the guy. Yep. And then like won the match doing that. Mm-hmm. But the chain was literally about as thick as like a gold chain you would wear around your neck. Like it was like it was a dog collar, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically like jewelry. And it's like I I was like, well, come on. Like I remember I was I was like a kid. I was like a teenager, and I saw that. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, give me, like, a thick chain. Like, something, if you swung it at someone, it would be, like, a deadly weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Not like this. You you, you basically <laughs> took your necklace off and wrapped yeah. it around your fist. That's been uh, something Lawler's been uh, not exactly great about was uh, the chains that Lawler tends to have. Because I think, I can't remember if he did it to Regal or if he did it to... Um, like Taz or something like that, but it was on a raw and he'd taken a chain and sucker punched a wrestler with it. And they came out and he was like, yeah, you want some more? Come over here. And he took the chain out. He started swinging it around. It was a dog collar chain. Now here's the thing about a dog collar chain that can be useful. I know this cause I done it, but, um, it's not exactly something that strikes fear into the hearts of people, you know? There was one I liked that's a variation of this, but uh, Tom Pritchard and Smokey <laughs> Mountain would often put a chain around his boot and then kick someone in the head. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Um, that was a pretty common thing. Um, here's the thing with a chain. You can take a chain. You could, you could be Bruiser Brody, and you could just whip somebody with it. You could take a chain... And you could wrap it around your fist and punch somebody with it. Wrap around your foot and kick somebody with it. You could drop a chain on the mat, just like a chair, and do a move to someone on it. But a chain, I guess you could do it with a chair, too. Because with the chair, you could... We forgot about the old spot where you take the, the back of the chair, you put it to the other guy's neck, and you lift him up and you slam it on the mat. But with a chain, you can supplement any kind of choke you can think of. Um, you know, I I also think like um, watching old Mid South like Junkyard Dog coming out with like a chain around his neck to another one bites the dust like he just looked like an absolute badass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <coughs> I was just watching some Mid South stuff and it just struck me because he came out for a match and I'm like oh wow like he's an absolute badass and WWF never got that. Yep. With him. Yep. Because it was just grab them cakes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the phrasing on that cracks me up. But, yeah, I love the chain. Well, I mean, hell, that chain match I had that you guys saw, that that whole thing, wrapping it around the fist, wrap it around the elbow, drop the elbow, wrap it around the knee, drop the knee, 
hang a guy over the ropes with it. There's a million things you can do. Also, the chain, if you have, an, if you have a, a small enough amount of it, you can do, like, hide the chain stuff with the referee. Mm-hmm. I did that in my first ever match. Um, the, uh, I had, like, we were going in, it was like, <coughs> my first match, it was a tag match, but at the beginning of it, the ref goes to pat me down and came away with two giant handfuls of weapons, right? Like Mad Max Thunderdome. Um, <laughs> and then he did that and I realized he missed one. So I went in my pocket and I pulled it out in such a way that I was moving it to it. Like I'm moving it to another pocket and everybody just wigs out. And they're like, no, no, he's still got one. Turn around. He's still got a chain. They, they did that with Eddie Gilbert once, but I think Eddie Gilbert was more like finding innocence. Like, I don't know how that got in there. Oh, I wasn't even pretending. I was just like, oh, yeah, you missed one. Putting it because I wasn't supposed to have it, but I was doing it to try and, and um, I was doing it to try and get some heat and dick with people. <coughs> I have a picture somewhere of, of my Hill Preacher gimmick where I had a uh, I had a, a pretty heavy chain. It was a toe chain fashion to look like a noose. And so I'm staying there cutting a promo, holding this poor guy in the chain and he wasn't supporting his weight the way he needed to. So he's kind of hanging himself in it. But in gimmick, I can't just put him down, you know? Yeah. I have to go look for that. So let's talk about another versatile. Well, I think it's versatile. Like you have to put someone through it eventually, but the way you can do that is infinite and many the table, the table. Mm. Because you can, there's all sorts of moves you can do to put someone through it. You can put it up on its side and throw someone through it. You can put it at the side of the ring and, you know, take a bump out of the ring into it. Like, there's all sorts of ways you can end up through that stupid table. <coughs> oh, yeah. yeah so have you, have you gone through a table before, Shad? I think once. Do you, yeah. So was it, is, I take it that one's pretty easy because the tables are pretty flimsy. Yeah. Um, Unless you're in Japan. <laughs> yeah. And they look like they're made of cement. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish, I was wishing I had found, um, I was looking for the, the laugh that Botchamania uses for it. But I couldn't find the laugh. Yeah, the ones in Japan are, like, thinner, too, which I think makes it worse. Because you bounce? Well, we can't, <laughs> well, you can't, like, because I think, like, part of you is, like, I think most of them, like, for an athlete, your whole, like, body is not on it. Right. Oh. So, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Oh. No, it's okay. Um, The... Uh, there's a lot you can do with the table. It's just got to be gimmicked properly. Because I've come across some, or I've seen people that where they try to go through some that weren't gimmicked properly. Or, if you watch Botchamania, these guys are just having a match and they see a table like, oh, we're going to use this. And they're like, uh, you really, okay. Because it's not like particle board 
on two legs. This is like one of those old school tables that's meant to be thick and heavy, and you could you could jump up and down on if you wanted to. When a lot of the gimmick tables don't have the metal frame in it still. Exactly. Or, you know, you could do what, like, that one video where the guy jumps off the balcony <laughs> and misses the guy on the table. And just eats shit. That, okay. Um. Okay, let me, let me... I take it I take it if you do something crazy like that, part of what makes your fall easier is the table does break, but it breaks your momentum in the process of breaking and makes your landing softer. It's, it slows you down a little bit, which is nice. But you have to hit it in order to slow down, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, hitting, like, open ground is probably not good. No, that's bad for you. That's bad for you. Um, Matt, do you have any people miss the table memories you'd want to throw in there? Uh, not really. I feel, this is sad to say, I'm not trying to beat up on them, but I feel, I do agree that tables can be really like a versatile for an object and kind of add drama to a match. But I feel like the WWE doing specific like quote unquote table matches has kind of really taken away from the, the whole gimmick. Because before, like, back in the 90s especially, when you would see people go through tables, it would be like, whoa, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now when they actually have, like, for the TLC pay-per-view, which I guess is happening, like, as we're recording this, like, this weekend. Yeah. Where they, I don't I don't know if there's, like, a tables <laughs> match on the show, but I know they've done... I think um, Roman and Corbin is a TLC. Oh, well, when because, it's... Because, I mean, that's what people want to see. Specifically, like when they have tables matches where it's like uh, you're you put your opponent through a table and you win the match. I, I think that's just like has kind of almost like killed the whole thing for me. So it, I still think tables can add. Yeah, I still think tables can add drama. Um, I made a crack about the Japanese tables, but uh, going back like to January, like January fourth of this year, so almost a year ago. But the whole Omega Tanahashi. Oh, I forgot about that. That yes. was great when Tanahashi <laughs> just ate it on that one. Ate it on a table. Like, it it was a table spot that added so much, like, extra drama to the match. So I still think, like, tables can add, like, a lot to it. It's just when it's not contrived, when it's not overdone and overbooked. Mm-hmm. So that's a good example of how. Oh, man, I, I, still I forgot think... about that, too, because he went, like, that was, like, frog splash, like, right through a table. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I still think tables are, are valuable for an object, but uh, I think sometimes it can kind of get contrived. But <laughs> you, you know what was also an underrated spot was Rhino goring someone through a table? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I like. Normally I liked Goldberg's spear better than Rhino's gore, but Rhino's gore was better for that. And you also had the nice bonus that if you got out of the way, then he went through the table and you still had the nice effect of. Yeah. I think what was cool about that is like the table was still in the ring. So like you had these guys just like covered in like bits of table debris. It was just a nice visual effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My favorite, even though it became pedestrian with how much it got used, I think my favorite instance 
of someone losing a tables match. I think I can't remember if it was Sheamus or Jack Swagger having a tables match against Big Show. Big Show's on the apron, and one of them runs over. Whoever it is runs over and hits him, and Show doesn't fall off the apron, but he loses his footing and his one foot goes back and goes through the table, and he just kind of freezes, and his eyes are looking back and forth. Like, did anybody notice this? <laughs> I loved that spot. It was, even if it, I, in context, it might have been kind of a cheap way out, but just just show selling that was awesome. Oh, we, we might have to discuss the greatest table spot of all time. I'm going to ask is. for you to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Which would be Bubba Ray Dudley powerbombing Mae Young. Oh, off of a stage mm. and through a table. Oh man, <coughs> that's that's where I got like he he was talking about that and they didn't want to do it and like May Young was like you better like you better fucking do it and not like puss out on me. <laughs> and she was what like in her seventies? Yeah, but oh. they were like she was just like do it like come on like like do it pussy. <laughs> Like, they're getting berated by this old woman that's just like, do it. She was the realist. <laughs> she used to, um, she used to, in the 30s, maybe, she used to, like, I guess, like, prostitute herself and then rob the Johns. Wow. So she'd have some dude pick her up and then beat the piss out of him and take his stuff? Yep, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> oh man so um let me see that, like i would say she is like someone you do not want to fuck with <laughs> no i don't think so uh incidentally brad i'm gonna do a callback for you another benefit to table spots is that sabu can get distracted and derail a match trying to get a table spot to work oh yeah if you want to <laughs> if you want to listen uh my cousin and i did heat wave 98 and he destroyed an entire match and was so obsessed with this broken table that he got the other people in the match to start like trying to make it work yeah rvd and hayabusa and um jinsei hakushi. shinsaki yeah. hakushi or jinsei shinsaki or whichever whichever name you use but that was yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to you guys talk about that and cracked up because I knew exactly what you meant. That's part of the charm of Sabu, th- Sabu though. <laughs> Repeating spots and fixating on tables, right? You know, though, I was listening back to an episode we did a while ago, and we were talking about um, him and how he complains about how they they saw off the barbed wire, and I was really mad at myself that I didn't make a joke about Sabu bitching about millennials and their pussy like barbed wire now yeah the joke was right there and i'm just like god that's why you shouldn't listen to things you say because you just (laughs) second guess yourself you just want to revise it right yeah um yeah okay let's see how about how about let's go into the it can be any number of things. It can be salt. It can be just powder. It can be cocaine if you're Jake Roberts. <laughs> like, um, or or its variations, <laughs> which is the magical mist. Oh, the mist. Okay. I I had a uh, I had that down on my list. I put powder slash mist because uh, either one 
work. A mist, I feel, is more deadly. And there's, oh, diff- yeah. there's different types of mist. Yes. Yeah. They're color-coded. Yes. What, what colors are there, Matt? Uh, I know there's, like, I think... So there could be multiple ones, but I can recall, like, green and red and black. Yeah. Those are the three that come to mind. Yeah, green, I think, was common, especially with, um, like, Great Muda and also uh, Tajiri. Or yeah. as uh, as um, <coughs> as Stone Cold used to call Tajiri. <laughs> uh Black, I know, was like the deadliest version because if you got spit in the face with black mist, you went blind for a period of time. Yeah, I think Muda would do that for special occasions. Yeah, didn't, I forget what the red Jerry do that to Nadia. Yes, that was an angle, yeah. and she was yeah. blind for a time, and then uh, Jamie Noble had to, <laughs> to care for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, I I I used mist myself. I really enjoyed doing it until the promoter came to me and said, dude, you got to quit. We can't wash it out of the canvas, which made me sad. Uh, I, I really loved doing the mist spot. That was a lot of fun. So um, the <clears throat> there are lots of different ways to do a mist spot. I'm going to keep going with this for a minute. Um the uh, one of the the ones you hear bandied around was the, I guess, condom full of liquid that you got and bit down on, but I'm gonna be real honest with you, I never saw anybody do that. Um, for the simple reason, I'd be, I think I'd be afraid of choking on the damn thing, <laughs> just while everything's going on, and if someone isn't clued in and comes over and hits you, all of a sudden, you're choking. And the ref's trying to Heimlich you. And how do you explain it when you spit it out, I guess? Um, that would seem extraordinarily, like... If it, it, was, it would seem too cumbersome. Yeah. And yeah. I would be afraid, like you said, of, of actually swallowing that and choking and dying. I yeah, mean, yeah. And what an ignoble death that would be, too. If I know, you, right? Choke and die on a condom of fake blood? Yeah, how would you explain you- that? How do you write that in the obituary? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you did it. How did how did that work? Because okay. what I was confused about is like if, if you're when like Muda or Tajiri or somebody would like come to the ring and then spit it out at the beginning of the match. It's like, OK, because they can just hold liquid in their mouth as they're going to the entrance but when right. they would do it at the end like I, I don't know the logistics of that it would always look cool I just figured it was some sort of like capsule that they would bite down on well but how do you get enough liquid for that uh, I don't know unless it's just like a like a food coloring capsule and your own saliva maybe but you're not going to get enough um, you don't get enough volume out of your own saliva so, okay, here's what I, uh, my mind started with having, <laughs> I got a, uh, hotel shampoo bottle that I cleaned very thoroughly because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, imitate dysentery every time I did the spot. God. <laughs> I know, right? So I, I cleaned that sucker real good. And then what I would do is before the show, now I would typically 
use um, cheap imitation Kool-Aid. Not like as a Jonestown reference or anything, but just because usually I was the closest place for me to get it if I didn't have it with me whenever I left home and I'm out at the show and they're like, hey, we want you to do the miss spot was probably a Dollar General. So mm. getting, you know, dirt cheap imitation Kool-Aid would be fine. But I'd get three packets of it and put it in this travel shampoo bottle. That didn't leave a whole lot of space, right? There's not a whole lot of room whenever you've got that much powder in it. <coughs> and then you put the liquid in to take up whatever space is left. And you shake it for like five minutes. Make sure it's all mixed up. And the reason I used so much of it is you have to make it clear what it is. Because if it's, if it's mixed too lightly then the crowd's just going to think it's water. And yeah, I guess you could do that. Spitting water in somebody's eyes would probably disorient them. But is it going to have the effect the mist is supposed to have? Or are they going to think it has that effect? They're not. They're going to be like, oh, you just spit water in his eyes, right? The thing is, you've got to make it clear enough that it's like, oh, no, he learned, you know, the, the secret of Great Muda or something. And, you know, has it <coughs> spit. And so when I would do it, it was this, there was enough water that it was, that it was fluid, but it was real thick. Um, I'm trying to think of, of something else that would be a good thick comparison. Well, I know, I know like fake blood. If you buy like from the, uh, like the costume store is yeah. pretty, it's pretty much just like like food coloring like food dye yeah and essentially like corn syrup because it adds like a viscosity and like a thickness to it yeah um, so is does that look like the old movie blood that just looks terrible probably like the <laughs> the evil dead caro corn syrup mix mm-hmm. yeah um yeah it's got to be thick enough that that you know it's visible I'm still trying to think of a good comparison. Like, what what is there that would be a good comparison to how thick this stuff was whenever I'd use it? And I don't want to... Tomato soup? I, I guess. If it was cold tomato soup, that'd probably be... Or like a condensed soup before you add water. Uh, God, I, maybe. Here's, so let me ask here's the you gross. The, here's the here's the other thing about it, though, is that whenever I would use it, and listen to this, the stuff would clot. Is how thick I would mix it. Oh wow! You use yeah. it, it would kind of it would kind of clot up wherever it was. So there was no question that somebody got hit with it, right? So how? So you use it. Yeah. Does it just get over all over everything? Uh, yeah. Because there's not. A, think about this for a second. If you want to have that kind of effect, whenever you're doing that spot, there's not a way to do it that's neat and clean. If you're spitting it out of your lips, think about like you remember when when I, when Triple H started doing the water spit entrance. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure everybody who was a wrestling fan at that time tried doing it in their shower at some point. 
<clears throat> you got to realize that when you do that, it's not nice and tidy. It sprays every direction because your lips don't aren't making this perfect seal to make a little nozzle. It's, you know, and it does. Basically, it gets all over everything in front of you. If you don't like slobber yourself, it won't get on you, but it gets on everything in front of you. Um, there was a, a match that Alex Angel and I were in that um, the the finish, because I was taken with a guy named Duke Allstriker. I hope to have him on the show here soon because Duke is a lot of fun to talk to. He's been our white whale. I know. It just never works out. We keep trying to get him and it keeps not coming together, but... Um, so, uh, Alex grabs Duke. Alex's partner, Arson, grabs a kendo stick. I, Duke's manager, hands me the thing. I take a swig. I turn Arson around to do the mist. And he was all fired up for this, right? Like, he's so excited to do it. Because Arson would be up for, he would be game for a lot. Duke and Alex both turn their heads when I do this because they know what's going to happen. And I do the mist. And so you've got arson and then beyond arson, you have Duke and beyond Duke, you have Alex. <coughs> the spray was such that like Duke turned his head to the side and it took him a couple of days to clean all of it out of his ear. Alex kind of ducked his head and so it was all down that one side of his face arson was wearing face paint arson's face paint they had put it on and then they had set it with hairspray so it wouldn't run when he sweat but whenever i sprayed him it made the the face paint run whenever it ran it got in his eyes when it got in his eyes and he clamped his eyes shut the hairspray recongealed <laughs> so he collapses to the mat, screaming, trying to rub it out of his eyes, but his eyes are sealed shut. <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, I'm laughing so hard, I can't breathe. So Duke picks up Alex and does a DVD for the finish. Because, what do you do, right? What, what are you going to do in that situation? But yeah, the promoters came to me and like, look, you, we can't wash this this canvas and get the stuff out. You, we got to ask you to stop doing it because they liked it too. It was a great visual. I feel like I'm talking a lot this episode, guys. I'm sorry. You have firsthand experience, but you know, still. So let's um let's let's kind of rapid fire some of these off since we're kind of running a bit long here. So let's talk about um. Let's talk about handheld objects, your brass knuckles, your roll, your roll of quarters. I love the roll of, roll of coins. Roll of coins is awesome. It, Man, no one does it anymore. They don't. The last time I remember seeing it was on Nitro when Arn um, Anderson gave it to David Flair. That's what I, I was at. I was actually at that show. Were you really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Because I remember him, I remember hit them like celebrating and like ripping it open and the the quarters mm -hmm. splashing all over the place. Yeah, um, I remember Mongo putting the quarters on Eric Bischoff's eyes after they did it too. Yeah, I was at that show. I was on the floor. I was like five rows back. Oh, that's really cool. 
I uh, I did. I only did it once, and I had a roll of pennies instead of a roll of quarters. But it doesn't matter. You hit somebody with it, and then you break the you break the roll over their body, so it's real clear what happened. It's just a great visual. Yeah, I don't know why people don't do that anymore. I don't know. Because they use those they use those stupid brass knuckles that well, those those plastic looking knuckles that don't look like they hurt at all. That everyone loves using those now. As yeah. they were called the knuckle dusters. Yes, I think that's yeah. what they're called. Yeah. Yes, that's what I call them, knuckle dusters. <laughs> when I worked in a grocery store and I needed a roll of quarters, I'd tell I'd ask someone I'd be like. Look, uh, here's ten bucks. Can you go over to the office and bring me a, a knuckle duster? And they go, "What are you talking about?" I'm just, bring me a roll of quarters, okay? Now, if you happen to be a, a certain um, robotic mummy that resides in Japan, <laughs> you also get attachments that are giant hands that you can then <laughs> shoot at people. Yeah, a little bit. That that's uh, have you guys ever seen the Minoru Suzuki versus Mecha Mummy match? Because that's like one of my all time favorite matches. I don't think I have. You told us about it, but I haven't seen it. Because he actually <coughs> Mecha Mummy actually get like they put wings on Mecha Mummy and he climbs to the top rope and then he dives <laughs> like with like a punch into it, and then the end is Suzuki gets a bottle of water and like pours it all over him and Mecha Mummy shorts out. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow okay it's 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 honestly the most brilliant thing i've ever seen it's hilarious <laughs> i think they had a rematch too okay oh man okay fire off some more let's 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 see so we have we have um we have the the rare legendary special version of the table which is the spanish announce table <laughs> the spanish announce table the death sentence of the the late 90s right yeah <clears throat> i have a theory on the spanish announce table but that's it might be longer than we have time for <laughs> let's see um fire in various um Various forums, I'd say the most popular is the Fireball. Oh, yeah. I never did the Fireball. Never did and then, that. I think there's also, like, so, like, you have your um, your baking pans, which I think have a nice little... I'm taking it those don't hurt very much, but they make a nice sound, and you can dent them easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can. They, they bend super easy. See, stop sign... Yes, mm -hmm. the stop sign. That's that was on my list. And I think the most famous version of that is the Raven Goldberg United States title match. Uh, I was thinking of um, Raven DDP on TRL, but it's the same guy. So yeah, but he, him no selling it, and then um, Jack hammering Reese afterwards. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that was that was really badass. That we we should do that as an episode. It's short, but that might be the most over Goldberg ever was. You don't think beating Ho Hogan was? No, because like the the he was over for that, but that crowd like when he beat Raven is just rabid. Okay, we should maybe we ought to compare the two. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of 
hang on. Let me get my list real quick. My what else do I have on my list? Trash a cans. Sock? Oh yeah, oh, trash sock. cans are good too. Yeah, we can't we can't forget Mr. Socko. That that one's a weird case though, because I think there's only one person that can really get away with doing that. Yeah. <coughs> now can can I, I have a philosophical question because there well no that's not true. Um, Santino had the Cobra. Oh, okay, that's true. That's that's fair. Because remember he and he and Socko had a battle. Was it the Cobra? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, also because Sako lost to it, does so we're, we need to make a philosophical call here. Yeah. So, Joey Ryan, is his penis a foreign object, or is it not a foreign object? <laughs> Shad, you have to make the call here. Oh, I do? Yes. Is his dick a foreign object, or is it not a foreign object? Oh, uh, God. Back me into the corner on this. Um... If it, no, no, you don't want him to do that because bad things oh, can happen. Oh, well, okay, yeah. If it were, okay, since it, it apparently is my call. Since it's my call, I would say that it is not since it is a bodily append- appendage, so to speak. Um, I would say it is not a foreign object. The story of how that came about still cracks me up. I think he told Sean Oliver that. And he was trying not to imitate the guy's accent, but kind of did a little bit anyway. So, what if I were to, uh, what if I were to try to uh, strike your penis? But large American penis is not hurt by this. And he was like, "Yeah, let's go for it." And then the guy kept coming up with it until they got like the whole dick flip out of it. <coughs> if I remember the story right. That sounds like something that probably happened to DDT. Yep. I guess. You're making me think of you're making me think of South Park now with the <laughs> Chin Pokemon episode. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, trash cans are one that I always that that I always think of. I, I didn't get to use trash cans much, but again, they're really versatile. Of course, the gimmicked ones look really bad because they don't hold up to nothing. They just flatten as soon as you look at them hard. Wouldn't your standard, like, trash can, though, be pretty easy to, like, just pile drive someone through and none of you be worse the wear for it? I guess it depends on what you consider to be a standard trash can. It depends upon the thickness, because I've run into metal trash cans before that, like, I would not want to take a move on yeah. this thing, because they're actually kind of thick. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Uh, I have some others on my list here. Well, the Sting Special, the baseball bat. Oh, oh yes, that's a good one. baseball yeah. bats. Yes. Um, how about so, since, since it can be a variation on things? How about barbed wire? I had barbed yeah. wire as like its own genre, but usually barbed wire is wrapped around things. Yeah. Although yeah. I do, I don't know if you would consider this a foreign object itself, but how about barbed wire matches where the ropes are replaced by barbed wire? That's I feel that's more mm. of like a, a match type versus an actual foreign yeah, I'd, object. I'd agree but, with you on that, yeah. But barbed wire wrapped around things, I would say, is a foreign object. Uh, I think it's appropriate when it's wrapped around like a baseball bat. Uh, I know recently in the last like few weeks, 
in the whole Omega Moxley feud. At one point, Omega had like a broom wrapped with, yeah. uh, which yeah. to me was odd. I mean, it, that's an odd weapon. I get that you're it's essentially just a an object to bludgeon someone with. It's a melee weapon, but it's kind of odd to have a wrapped was, around a broom. Wasn't it just a joke about being a cleaner at that point? Was it? Oh, I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> that that's how I took it. I don't. Think I like to think of. It. I told I told this story online, but I like to think that um, that before that full gear match, that Moxley stayed up all night, like just drinking all night, like smoking cigarettes and like making like booby like Wiley Coyote esque traps for <laughs> Omega in his garage. Just sitting there going, "This will hurt like a bitch." Yeah, I'll we'll do this yeah. and I'll add this yeah. to it. I have um. I have three off uh, from my list that I want to uh, note, almost like honorable mentions. Yeah, uh, they're kind of like specific to p- individuals. Okay, but uh, f- well, number one, uh, <coughs> it goes from like serious to increasingly more like silly. <laughs> number one, serious uh, Abdul the Butcher, who would always have like a fork oh, or the something fork. like that. Right. Yeah, fork's great. Which oh. he usually had like wrapped in tape or something to kind of. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of like to obscure like exactly what it was or just, but the, whatever. The original Sheik used a pencil too, I believe. Yeah, something like yeah. that. But they would always take it and they would just like jab it into the guy's forehead. It always, it kind of added the mystique that they were yeah. like wild men and violent. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and Abby had the added advantage with the fork of the hep C. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's super effective. Yeah. Might not get you in the match, but 10 years down the road, you're going to be in bad it's shape. The, yeah. It's the long game. Yeah, uh, so that's that's a serious one. Um, the more uh, uh, more com- comedic one, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's uh, he's been wrestling apparently on the indie scene for like years. I know I've only really seen a lot of his matches in the last like year or so. But have you guys heard of Cabana Man Dan? Yeah, I've heard of Cabana Man. Dan. Cabana Man Dan. I think he might be a uh, Filipino, <laughs> but he's. I mean, he's been wrestling. Apparently, he's been wrestling for like almost. 20 years even though he's oh i think he used to be in like the pwi 500 back in like the early 2000s yeah he's been around apparently a long time even though i've only been aware of him for like the last year or so he's Um, like weird al like you'll hear his name pop up and then he'll disappear for like five years and like suddenly he's a thing again i think he's a lot in the like the east coast independence because that that dc wrestling promotion primetime wrestling he was on the first show and i've I feel like I saw him at another show before too. Uh, he's not, he's not bad as a worker, um, but I think he's like Filipino if, as far as his ethnicity. It's not like part of his gimmick, other than he comes out wearing flip flops or okay. or chanclas if you uh, oh if you're like, no if you're like Latin, and he definitely incorporates the flip flops into his gimmick. And there are points where he like, he'll take, he'll like have the flip flops in his hands and he'll use the flip flops as weapons, the chanclas. And it's hilarious. And there are times like I, I just actually on this, uh, the G, uh, game changer wrestling, uh, Matt, uh, the two pay-per-views that are the two shows that I just bought, mm-hmm. he was in a tag match in like one of the opening tags <laughs> on the Saturday show. And he has the flip flops off, and he's like making a tag to his partner, like using the flip, <laughs> using the flip flop. <laughs> and it's like a little, it's a little silly thing, but it actually does add to the match. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the second of the third, and the the third and final one, Brad. You'll appreciate this. 
one of the most devastating of all foreign objects that has ever been used in professional wrestling. Oh my God, you better say the sprinkles. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but I was going to say from Chikara, Chuck Taylor's invisible grenade. Invisible grenade! Oh, God. One of the most devastating <laughs> foreign objects of all time. Not only that, but it affects time itself. It does. Although you are, it, you are correct. It takes. Mm-hmm. It also takes life. It also takes years off of Jim Cornette's life. <laughs> Although you are right, like sprinkles could have actually been a, a fourth one. Yeah, Jim sprinkles or Jimmy's, depending upon the region that you're <laughs> you live yeah. in. According to Ultravandus Black, yes. Yes. Okay, I've got a few more to add in. Um, one of these is is very person-specific. I mean, we mentioned kendo sticks earlier, which are kind of like baseball bats, but just the martial arts weapons in general means Steve Blackman's here to jack somebody up. Um, I enjoyed seeing that. Here's another one for you you might have forgotten about. They only used about a million of them. Guitars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jarrett where the old line is he broke a million guitars and never drew a dime. That's a that's a that's a tough line to get over. Uh, I do I do enjoy the guitar. I feel like though that there is a certain art form to that that only like a couple people can actually pull off. Yeah. Well, and you got to gimmick it properly too. Um yeah. Other uh rope like bull ropes with the cowbell on it and stuff. So Stan, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Stan Hansen and Dusty and Stan Hansen again, you know, um, <clears throat> let me see. What else do I have? Uh, we could go to a cactus Jack special and bring out a shovel. How about the other, um, Mick Foley special, the thumbtacks? Oh God. Oh, Oh God. I hate thinking about that. I just, oh, I, oh, ugh. That is the one thing, though. The one thing in wrestling, because for some reason, like, I don't know how they've been protected so much over the years, but if you want to get, like, a legitimate pop, that mystery bag that everyone knows is just full of thumbtacks. Everybody looks at it and goes, oh, no. And I, there was like a yeah. There was like a there was like a PWG show with Chuck Taylor where he like he pulls the bag out, yeah, and he just gets this smirk on his face, and the tacks come out. Oh gosh, oh lord, God, I re- I forget what promotion or match this was, but wasn't there one where they pulled out the bag and everyone's thinking that it's tacks and instead it's like Legos? <laughs> oh God. That, that, this was a match. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, God, I can't remember who it was. Or was what that person. the Javeli, um Naka? I don't remember his name. No, I don't. Nakazawa. No, that was like joysticks. Yeah, that's true. Um, someone did Legos, and it's uh, to me that was just like darkly hilarious. Can, can we can we be honest here though? Mm-hmm. Legos would be effective because I've stepped on those before. <laughs> oh, and absolutely. Those things hurt like a motherfucker. They do. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially uh, those little square ones, like those, those hurt. Yeah, they're they're like they're modern day caltrops that you can build things out of. Yes. Um, other th- okay, I'm gonna go. I've told the story on here a number of times before, but the toilet seat. I'm not the only person who's ever done it. 
There is a hardcore guy that is somewhat local around here. Maybe he's not that local, but I just, I, I don't know. I think he is, who goes by Madman Pondo, who took a toilet seat and just glued thumbtacks all over the bottom side of it. And is like, well, it's killed that gimmick, did. Mance Warner just used one uh, working toilet in a Falls Count Anywhere match. <laughs> God. That was that that match was hilarious. It's on it's MLW episode eighty five, I think. Okay. And it goes on through the show. So they start in the ring and then Jimmy Havoc's just like, screw this, and he goes out to the parking lot and carjacks someone. <sighs> and so Mance gets um gets this guy to follow him and they end up in Jimmy Havoc's um apartment. Also, wow. uh Mance Warner paid the guy <laughs> that gave him the ride in moonshine. But the guy's also drinking while they're driving. That's okay. So they're they're brawling around in this apartment, and he gives Jimmy Havoc a swirly. <laughs> right. And Mance, like, you have to understand, like, you know what Mance sounds like, right? Yeah. So right before the swirly, Mance just like, right down the shitter, baby! Right down the shitter! And, it, and then they started beating each other with a frying pan, and then there was more, like, um... There was more shenanigans after that. I would think so. Um, let me see. Other ones that I've used, I had a construction hard hat. I did I did have a, uh, a baseball bat that I gimmicked up myself. Okay, here. This is a specific one that I also used. But do you remember Stevie Ray saying, Suckers gonna get slapjacked? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's far funnier to me than it is to everybody else. I have I have two more <coughs> for mine, but the but they're they're more made famous by individuals. The two by four. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. of course. And um, the Iron Sheik preferred these, and people that were managed by him. But the spiked boots. Spiked boots. Wow. And I was listening to a show, and it was only ever explained on this one show. But they explained that he wore those because. When they were, when he lived in Iran, they used those to get, like, to, when they rode camels to get them to go faster, which I thought was, like, a brilliant. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. It's, okay. I like the explanation. It's just one of those things that it, I guess it's kind of hard to convey sometimes. That might have been Mid South because Bill Watts always. Watts was really good at that. Yeah. Watts was really good at that. I, I appreciate that kind of effort quite a bit. Okay. I feel like we're missing something obvious, but I can't think of it. I once waffled a guy with an exit sign. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it was... There There was... Um, I'm going to arson again. They, he worked at a prison, and they were renovating... And they had taken down the old plastic exit signs, and he just brought it and handed it to me. He says, here. And I was like, okay. And I, um, we were running a show in this building where there was it was hot outside, and there was no heat, and there were very few people. And the people that were there, you couldn't get out of their seat with dynamite. And I thought, if I do this, maybe they'll react to it. And I smashed it over a dude's head. And nothing. So I pretty much wasted a really cool spot for nothing. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. How about uh, the crutch? <laughs> oh, the crutch. Yeah. Well, that one's got the um, 
the advantage of being able to work a gimmick in with it. Like, oh, oh no, he's injured. You're not going to attack the injured guy. And yet, here we go. I think my favorite instance of a crutch was right after Conan turned on Rey Mysterio and WCW. Okay. And um, Rey comes out on crutches because Conan injured him. This is 97, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like screwing with Ray, and he like kind of kicks one of his crutches away. Mm-hmm. And he goes down to pick it up, and Ray just absolutely like clobbers him with the other crutch. Yeah, wasn't Ray um, like faking it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's a good call. Yeah. Oh, now that you bring it up, I remember. When you brought up the crutch, the first thing I went to was uh, Kurt Angle. In the Kurt Angle series with Benoit and uh, Team Angle and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But And uh, I guess if we ha- if we bring up the crutch, we have to bring up the prosthetic leg. They only use Mad Dog Fashans. Um, I, I just oh, kind of... I forgot Zach Gowan was a thing. Yeah. And it, I think it happened at some CZW shows too. <coughs> or how about how about what I just saw a couple weeks ago? Um, Pete Dunne using a small child in the UK <laughs> as a weapon. I loved that spot. That was awesome. Matt, are we leaving any others out? That's kind of all I can think of. Oh well, in in line, I guess with the um, the small child. Yeah, <laughs> Use, using like a, an actual human being as a foreign object. I know. I think this was even this year. I know that um, Jordan Grace has used people like on the indie scene. Like she's body slammed actual fans onto whatever her opponent is. I've seen you that happen. Are right, you are yeah. absolutely right. Which I think is a hilarious spot. She. Uh, oh, we better not tell Tim that he'll be buying like tickets to every show. <laughs> <laughs> that's such an inside joke. <laughs> that's such an inside joke. I love it. <laughs> it is, but it still makes me so happy. <laughs> I'll get my composure back sooner or later. Go on ahead. She's an interesting one. She means she's a good follow on Twitter. Um, sometimes she can get kind of weird, but uh, the other thing that she did, I know like the last year or so, which I thought was hilarious was um, someone had brought like a replica title belt and she's like, don't bring that to the show unless you have, unless you're going to defend it. Yeah. <laughs> and she, so she started like defending people like for a couple, she, I think put a stop to this cause it would have gotten like too much, but she, for like a, a show or two, she defended someone's replica title in a match. It was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting up, I'm like, if if you beat me in this match, I will give you this fan's title belt. So she like defended it in their honor. It was hilarious. Like that's just as like uh, taking it inside the world of wrestling. I know it's super. Oh, kayfabe is dead and all, but that's just like hilarious to me. Like if I I would that's something that if I was a worker, I would totally do that. If someone brings like their title belt, and I know I'm winning the match. Like obviously, I would be like, you know what? Give, <coughs> give me your belt. <laughs> give me your belt. I'm now fighting for your belt. Yeah, it's I, hilarious. I would do that. That's a great her um her ongoing like back and forth with Scott Steiner about being his daughter. I think is one of the more charming things in wrestling today. Yeah, yeah. and then 
they they were uh, part of uh, Chikara King of Trios. Her and yeah, Big Papa Pump, Little Petey Pump, mm-hmm. and Thick Mama Pump. Yep, that's excellent. I I, I loved that whole thing. It mm-hmm. it just cracks me up. I agree with you. That's that's a kind of a charming, wholesome running gag to have. Mm-hmm. She's just fun. Like she just loves her job. She does, yeah. And I hope I hope like she ends up in a AEW at some point. Hasn't she been working with Impact? Yeah. Yeah. She's she's one of the main ones in Impact. Okay. Cuz like um I would say their best female talent is Tessa Blanchard, but she honestly seems more interested in wrestling men now than she does women. Okay. Cuz that's pretty much how they use her in Impact. Cuz I think she's feuding with Sammy Callahan now. Okay. Tessa is someone who I can't imagine she'll stay forever in impact like she'll go to wwe or aew at some point because she's like she's way too talented and with her pedigree i mean yeah who did aew just sign they just signed big swole and chris statlander uh, yeah that was a big that's a big get. that's a that is a big get she she's already like they could already move her into like the main slot honestly it she hasn't been doing it that long. No, but she is good. I and I have I like I have not even seen a lot of her stuff, <clears throat> but what I have seen, she's good. And Big Swole's good too. She's pretty good. She was, I want to say, on the last um, May Young. She might have been. I think she I think was. She's changed. She might have changed her name since then. Uh. Yeah, oh, Ariel Monroe. That's what she. That's. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think since then, because that was a year and a half ago at this point, I think she's improved a lot. Oh yeah, she has. I think that's a good get for them too. Um, someone who is not. We're like now far going off on tangents, but I think someone who I guess is signed with NW. I hate saying this because it's kind of like is detracting from these smaller promotions that are trying to do their own thing i i don't want to be like well you know these people need to go work for the quote-unquote big two but thunder rosa with Mm -hmm. nwa power i think would be awesome in like aew or i guess even wwe but i i I, I sad to say this i hate people going to the wwe nowadays just because i feel like they're gonna get lost in the shuffle and if you see them it's gonna be like in a three-minute match that angle they did with um I can't think of her name now. And we just did an episode on it. Yeah. With Thunder Rosa and, um, what the fuck is her name? (laughs) Matt, you just watched this episode. The girl that turned on, uh, um, that turned on, um, on the channel. Allison K. Yeah. Who turned on Allison K. What's her name? Uh, Marty Bell. Yeah. Marty Bell. The Marty Bell turn Mm -hmm. with uh, Thunder Rosa. I thought that was excellent. It was good. Uh, was that? I think that was episode five of NWA yeah. Power, and I was not expecting it. Um, I liked it. I I think it has promise, and I think Thunder Rosa is uh, pretty competent and is interesting. Uh, I never really got that far, but I guess she was in Lucha Underground as well. Yeah. I do want to do one other thing. If we're talking about recent signings, is uh, I want to put this out there: a fella that I did work a match with who's been known at least around Kentucky and Ohio as, as a longtime veteran and a guy to be really respected. Legendary Larry D 
got signed to Impact this past weekend. And this this is, you know, this is a big deal because Larry's been at it a long time. Larry's really good. Larry's one of the few people I've ever had hit me with a spear that didn't try and cut me in half with it because he knew how to work it. He'd been really, like, I because he was even, like, coming across stuff that, like, I, I knew about. Like, because he was... I think he was like the guy in uh, IWA Mid South for like the last year or two. Was he? Yeah, <laughs> I think he had been. He he was someone that because you guys had mentioned him, but then I started started seeing his name like pop up for stuff. So I'm like good for him for getting yeah getting to shine on TV. Is he excited? Do you know? Well, I mean, I saw the promo where they announced it, and you can tell that it hit home for him. I mean, it's it's a you know, it, this is big. I just, you know, it, obviously he's finally living the dream, right? So, could you could you imagine in 2019 <laughs> that Impact is like the good company that you want to go to, and Ring of Honor is the absolute dumpster fire train wreck? It's yeah. funny. Yeah. Back in the day, even with the 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 train wreck, it was. My wife asked me. She goes, "Would you want to get signed to the big leagues?" And I was like. You know what? There's a big part of me that would want to get signed to to Impact. She said, "Why is that?" I was like, "The travel schedule is not murder." Because that's the thing that kills me about WWE stuff is their travel schedule is just a nightmare. All the see, I was, I was thinking from the stuff I've seen of you, I think you would be a good fit in the NWA currently. Oh yeah, I I probably would have been if I'd lasted this long, <laughs> but. Alas, here we are. All right, I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. This has been our our foreign objects plus foreign objects we've thrown into this podcast episode <laughs> with all the tangents, but that's okay. We uh, want to say thank you all for joining us. I uh, hope you all had fun. We had fun, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, again, reminder, uh, the giveaway, just leave on one of our social media platforms what your favorite episode of the year has been and we'll throw you in the hopper and uh i'll i'll post on the uh the different ones who the winner is and we'll go from there um hey everybody this is shad with matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth we'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time